Ah, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Hard Rock Lunchbox. And, of course, the top 20. It's February 2nd, probably. So it's Groundhog Day again. Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow, so we're looking at another six weeks of winter. Anybody in the Northeast that went outside today can tell you that. I will tell you that Staten Island Chuck, by the way, nice Staten Island. Way to stay classy. Such assholes in Staten Island. Um, Staten Island Chuck did see his shadow, so apparently we will not have six weeks of winter. Malvern Mel did something. Uh, Essex County... I don't even know, man. It's it's a it's a rodent. A rodent either saw or didn't see his shadow. My man Byron Miranda from uh, Pix11 has said it is going to get hella cold, so I know it's going to be at least a couple days more of winter. That is really all I'm interested in. As he tells you all the time, kids, listen to your parents. You're going to have to layer up. Yeah. Byron Miranda, not a sponsor, but an excellent weatherman. Pix11. Feel free to check that out. So I've got something to read. And because the education system still kind of worked when I was going to school and because I actually give a crap about those sort of things, I can read. Remember we covered a couple of weeks ago that like a quarter of American adults struggle to read. But they certainly can get on Facebook and talk about geopolitics. (laughs) Which brings me to the following. I'm going to read something verbatim, and then I'll explain it. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. Okay. A declaration. Start strong, right? A declaration. A declaration of the immediate causes which induce and justify the secession of the state of Mississippi from the federal union. In the momentous step which our state has taken of dissolving its connection with the government of which we so long formed a part. It is but just that we should declare the permanent... Can't read that word. (laughs) Oh, sorry. There was a line over. You got to clean your monitors, kid. Uh, Permanent reasons which we have induced our course... Our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. I am not going to read anymore because I don't need to. What that is, is the Declaration of Secession that Mississippi filed before the Civil War. They were the second state to secede. Remember, South Carolina was first, and honestly, we should let them both go because they're both trash as far as I'm concerned. But the reason I bring it up is because a few years ago, Mississippi said, nope, we didn't leave because of slavery. We we just had differences of opinion with uh, states' rights. States' rights, big deal. And what they started doing was whitewashing their history books. State of Mississippi basically went up and changed history books for all the, let's say, smart-ish people in Mississippi and started telling them that Mississippi did not leave, did not secede from the United States, did not traitorly, traitoresquely secede, seditiously secede from the United States because of slavery. Well, I'm here to tell you that's a lie because I can read. 
I also don't live in an armpit shithole like Mississippi, so I'm having all my history books changed. Now, it is true, the, the whole expression, that uh, history is written by the victor. What we have done in the South is let them, like, have their little flags, have their little statues. Like, honestly, we beat them. We beat them badly. We should have wiped them out and all of their culture and heritage. We should have flushed it down the toilet like you always did in wars up until then. We didn't. Lincoln and then, um, you know, Johnson and then seating presidents had different ideas of how to handle that. But in today's day and age, Mississippi actually has the goddamn balls to say, no, we didn't leave because of slavery. That wasn't it. That wasn't it at all. Our position, this is the second paragraph, dude. <laughs> this is like the first part of the meat, like after the preamble. Our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. What do you think is true? What they actually did and what we have proof of or what they're telling you now? Why is this important? It's not. Nobody here gives a shit what happens in Mississippi or to people that live there. I don't care. I, I just don't. I'm, I'm over trying to save the world from itself. I'm definitely over trying to save the country from itself. And honestly, we'd be so much better off with so many, with, with so more, less of these states. But the reason I bring it up is because it's a continuing thing that keeps coming up. And if you're not paying attention, all of a sudden it's going to become the norm. And it's important today because this dude, I don't know if you can see this. You probably can't see it on the radio. This dude is Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida. And despite being the poster boy of every Republican jerk-off that I seem to know, uh, and yes, I agree. I think he would be a lot less dangerous than somebody like Trump. Uh, but he would be dangerous in a different way because this dude just loves to pander. And this is my current favorite thing that Ron DeSantis is doing. He's changing history, changing society, changing the way education works in the state of Florida. I'm going to go back and I'm going to air quote education in the state of Florida. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced plans this week to block state colleges from having programs on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and critical race theory in his latest attack on black and LGBTQ plus people in the public education system. The second-term governor, governor who was widely expected to launch a 2024 White House bid in the late spring or early summer, previously blocked a new advanced placement course on African-American studies from being taught in high schools, saying it violates state law and championed a don't-say-gay law prohibiting lessons about sexual orientation or gender identity in the state's primary schools. DeSantis has pursued an aggressive series of policies to block teaching or discussion about America's racist past and present, making a name for himself in the National Republican Party, still defined by the legacy of Donald Trump, who famously mobilized white voters' racism and resentment of attempts to change the nation's racial hierarchy into a winning bid for the White House. Last year, DeSantis sized legislation dubbed the, quote, Stop Woke Act, that restricts certain race-based conversations and analysis in schools and business businesses. The law bars instruction that says members of one race are inherently racist or should feel guilt for past action committed by others of the same race, among other things. 
the among other things right there is important. It is important to realize that members of any any race are not necessarily responsible for the actions of all the race. That makes sense, right? Uh, I am not responsible for all the shit my neighbors do on this street here. I'm responsible for what I do. But I should also be aware of, of my history because it's important and it makes a difference. And the, what did they say? The among other things is stuff that deals, some of the stuff with critical race theory, some of it with just historical um, racial dis- discrepancies in our society. Things that have led one thing to another, to another, to another, that people tend to kind of overlook. I don't know if you've ever heard the expression generational wealth. Basically what it means is that from generation to generation, a family or unit or whatever kind of group, but generally a family, has family wealth. You see it kind of mostly like in monarchs and royalty and stuff like that, but it still exists. It exists here. It exists right in my neighborhood where families... Uh, are living in their house that their parents left them, for example. That's generational wealth. It it may not seem like a big deal, but it is. It's something that, over time, your family has been able to build up and pass down to you. Well, if you don't get a couple of kind of assists along the way, it is very hard to do that. And I know that very much because I've had that problem in my family years. Uh, my, my siblings and I have discussed it. My friends and I have discussed it. Like when you come from a poor, poor family, it is incredibly difficult to have something called generational wealth. The reason that is, is because if you come from a very poor family, your very poor family is barely making ends meet. They're not exactly socking money away into stuff like real estate or stocks or life insurance reason I've made as many choices as I have in my particular life is because I had none of that growing up. And so when I entered adulthood, I started from zero. In fact, I actually started from negative zero because I, like most people, had to take out college loans to be able to go to college. That's how that works. I'm doing what I can now to build up some sort of anything so that my kids at least have a little bit of a step up once I pass away, which honestly the way I'm feeling could be kind of at any moment. I know that would be a real downer on the show, but wouldn't that be good for ratings? The point is, it is incredibly difficult to do that. It's incredibly difficult. I have been very fortunate in my life, in my work life. Uh, I also have an unbelievably killer work ethic, and I've been rewarded for that over the years. Not like... Here's like a Maserati rewarded, but here's a steady job reward. That's not always the case. And it's not always the case in poor communities. I'm just saying that stuff like general gen- generational wealth also works the other way. Generational poverty is just as common. And I think to not be able to discuss those kinds of things and not explain why, I don't know, generations of poor African-American families cannot seem to crawl out of poverty... Not having those discussions is a disservice, but it's a complete whitewashing part of the term of our particular history, and it is the way that white Republicans are leaning very hard into what they can see, they perceive as this big threat against their way of life. Like, yeah, nobody wants to get blamed for anything, and I'm not even saying that white people are to blame for it. 
Like, you can have that discussion on another show, but to pretend that it doesn't exist is to say that Mississippi didn't secede from the Union because they wanted to keep their slaves. It's a lie. It's ridiculous. And you're stupid for believing it. You're even dumber for saying it. But, man, you're really stupid for believing it. So. I talk about that because I was uh, rereading uh, Bill's comments on last week's Top 20, uh, which we were talking about, uh, I don't even remember, the state of education. And we were both kind of agreeing, like, how horrible the, the, the current state of education is. And it just, it's, it, it's evidenced in my own life by the fact that, you know, we pulled my teenage daughter out of public school because... She was just kind of killing it virtually. And because the public education system wanted to basically just screw her over because I don't even know why. I would like to say it's for tax money, but I don't really know why. We ended up just skipping high school together, and she's finishing up her first year of college, which at the ripe old age of 16, I think is pretty impressive. You could still make an argument that it's not the best education, but I can definitely make an argument that the last two years of high school are optional at best, and they're probably garbage at worst. So, take what you want from that particular conversation about the educational system, and we'll get to some light, house, light housekeeping. I will apologize if I seem a little, like, under the weather. I, I am. I'm still suffering from... Something, I just took a bunch of sinus medicine, so my cadence seems a little bit off. That might be it. Uh, I also tend to ramble when I'm sick, so, like, let's kind of all agree to expect that for the next five to six minutes. <laughs> but we can get to some light housekeeping. The brand-new uh, episode of the Top 20 is out today. I really hope you get a chance to watch it, uh, like it, and comment on it. I eventually do get back to all the comments on there, so and I like to have the discussion. But it's uh, it's really about finding a place for Dad, which, again, <laughs> also ties into some of the general generational wealth stuff I was talking about. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, blaming everything on being human. Uh, back when I was fighting the Kaiser, everything wrong with TikTok and people on it. Uh, I do like hippopotami. By the way, a group of hip hippopotami is called a bloat, which I think is hella funny. Uh, but if you're not keeping up with the Cincinnati Zoo and uh, Fiona and Fritz, I don't even know what you're spending your day on. So you guys should probably get on that pretty quick. Um, Bacon is my podcast. They have seven questions and a full interview this week with Tiny Ghost. So check that out. They've also added a second episode, which is basically more of just a Mikey and Jimmy time, which I am much more a fan of. I don't have a problem with the interviews per se, like if it's, especially if it's somebody I'm interested in, then I'm I'm all for it. But I am a huge fan of just Mikey and Jimmy just talking about stuff. So if you've drifted away from Bacon is my podcast at all, be sure and catch the second extra episode. I don't even know what you would call it. It's the discussion and drinks is what they're what they're going with. Uh, so make sure you check that out. That'll be cool. Again, uh, Rebel 9, the next Rebel 9 show, and the only one currently on the calendar, is March 3rd. We're going to be playing at 89 North with Share the Burden. I do have tickets available right now. You can hop up on the Rebel 9 site. I think you have to pay full price from there, or you can just Venmo me. Uh, just Venmo me at GDAV. Uh, 15 bucks, and I'll save you a ticket. Um, otherwise, I think they're 20 at face value. So, like, we're going to try and cut you every discount we possibly can. That's going to be a fun night uh, out in Patchogue. Do not expect us to be back out there maybe more than once because it's just too too hard for us to get out there. Uh, we are looking to do some stuff maybe like a Beery's or uh, Village Pub, maybe even the warehouse by the end of the year. But I'm not seeing a whole lot of 
local shows in Rebel 9's future. I just don't see any reason to do it other than it's fun to do, and it's fun to do about every two months. So that'll probably be about it. So come check us out if you can. We've got a brand new song uh, to play for you, um, and we've got a brand new cover to do for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, hit me up for tickets or anybody in the band. That's cool. Uh, I feel like there was other stuff here, but blah, 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 blah. I was totally going to say something. I don't remember what it was. Um, I know. I can't believe that either. I cannot believe I just totally forgot something I was going to say. Like, never happens. Check in with the chat real fast. I got to pull my message. <laughs> yes. Yes, rambling DJ is always, always a good time. I'm just totally drawing a blank. It was totally something I wanted to talk about. Does anybody remember? Anybody remember what it was I was going to talk about? Because I certainly don't. Um, I tell you, man, I am so damn tired of being sick. <laughs> We're going to have brand new music uh, on the show today. We're going to have band, uh, brand new music from the band Pine Street. And I'm trying, I should actually try and message Max. I got it from Matt, but I've known Jesse for years. And, and I don't know if there's a difference technically between Pine Street Band and Pine Street, but I should find out because I saw Matt post that they were doing their first single. And I was like, yo, man, I've got first singles already from Pine Street, but that's from Pine Street Band. So this might be Pine Street. So uh, maybe I'll check with Matt during one of the breaks and I'll see if I can get some clarification on that. Regardless, uh, it'll be good and exciting. And as always, I love to play new music here on the box and, uh, well, not the top 20, but I like to talk about on the top 20 playing new music on the box because it is just one of my favorite things to do, especially if it's a local band. And then, you know, it'll be good. By the way, I'm, I'm just growing more and more disappointed that so many bands are still playing uh, Amityville Music Hall. Like, now, I have not launched any sort of formal campaign. I just tell anybody that will listen that maybe they shouldn't because they're scumbags over there. Um, or actually, it's just one scumbag, and she just happens to be in charge over there, so I'm not going there. Also, I can't even step in the building because I was technically tossed out and asked to leave. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to drop any any money on that place at all. I just, I, I'm never going to set foot in there until she's been fired or, you know, dies because somebody kills her, which, you know, I'm not advocating, but I'm also, you know, not not advocating. <laughs> so that's fine. A horrible, horrible human being. Um, so I won't be going to Pine Street show. I will not be going to the Pathmaker show. I'm not going to be going to the This Good Robot show, which is disappointing because I'd like to see some of those bands, but I just, you know, I just absolutely refuse to do it and uh you know i don't i don't know why bands keep doing it i mean amityville music hall is not a great venue at all it's horrible horribly gross uh the the bar is you know shit at best and again like the people there are like kind of iffy i mean like they used to be much better uh it's it's hard for bands it's not the greatest load-in situation you get to leave your gear kind of in the audience which is hella dangerous they don't really provide anything for the bands which i just thought was weird and they tend to just treat them badly and it's not an isolated incident with me at all but you know bands just keep choosing to play there and i just i just find it amusing with other places to play that place places that treat you well that you would just opt to play a shithole for absolutely no benefit whatsoever is just shocking to me but that's that's what it is and that's what they're doing and that's fine like good luck but basically, at this point, all I'm really doing is just warning people. Like, I'm not telling anybody, like, don't play there because I said so. That's stupid. I'm telling people, like, when you play there, keep an eye out for this because this is what's going to happen. By the way, can we just talk about how absolutely awful I am looking lately? 
I, I want to blame this all on just being sick, and it could very well be because I just I feel awful. And the, there's only honestly so much I can hide behind the beard, which is just bananas. By the way, if you're interested at all, I think I mentioned this, and I again I apologize for rambling. I, I think I've mentioned that Rebel Nine is in the studio right now. We're working on new material. We're recording four songs. Four. Uh, we meant to do three, but we couldn't make a decision, <laughs> so we ended up doing four. You'll be happy to know, if you've seen us lately, that the fourth song that we added uh, at the time was the newest. It's a song called Aaliyah, and that's going to be one of the uh, four releases, which is awesome. We actually have new songs written since then, uh, and we've got a whole batch of other stuff. So we're going to revisit that probably in the fall of 2023, maybe even closer to the winter. But um, it was funny because I was working on a song the other night. I was tracking vocals to a song called Inside, which you may or may not have heard. I mean, we've played it a couple of times. The reason we've only played it a couple times, it's a terribly difficult song for me to sing. Uh, it's high. It's, it's Some of it's at the very top of my range, and it basically wears me out. Like, I can do it at rehearsal, but like at, when, when I play live, I tend to over-sing because I'm an idiot, and I just do that. I get excited like everybody else. I've gotten better at that over the years, which is great, because I love really kind of coming into my own towards the end of my career, because that's super helpful. But um, it's been very difficult to sing that song if I'm also singing another very high song in the set, like Steven Seagal or uh, some of the covers we've done, like when we just did The Trooper. Like, there was absolutely no way I was singing inside the set. But it was funny, because I was... It's the only song I was nervous going into, and I sat with uh, Dave, our producer, and I was like, look, here's the deal. Like, I am not singing this song with a confidence of strength that I, I just, I haven't gotten there yet. Like, the other three songs, like, I can sing in my sleep. I know exactly what I want to do 100% of the time. And honestly, it, for Inside, I know exactly what I want to do, too. I just can't. It's... And, like, Noodle and I will argue about this, because he'll be like, of course you can, man, just, yeah, go ahead. And that's a dead accurate impression of him. But, like, there's limits to how high my boys can go with any power. Like, yeah, I seem to master what I can do with falsetto. Uh, I haven't mastered falsetto, but mastered what I can do with falsetto pops and stuff. And it was pointed out to me not all that long ago that apparently that's my thing, which I didn't even realize. But, yeah, it's showing up in more and more songs, because it's fun, and I do it well, and I do it with some strength, which is kind of unusual apparently so I have no problem leaning into that but this song like I really just wanted it to be much more powerful like I want to be you know Lejean from Seven Dust and I'm not I'm not gonna be <laughs> and it's not but like I want if I could sing like that that's exactly what this song calls for and I can't and it was funny, so I had all this trepidation, and I was like, you know, this is going to be tough. Like, it might even take a couple of sessions, and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm doing. So we went in, we just went through one take and kind of listened to it. And he's like, Dave was like, well, why don't you just, like, instead of going up on this part, just, like, bring it back down with the other one. And I was like, all right, well, we'll give it a shot. The dynamic, the change in the chorus was, <laughs> was so fantastic. Uh, for a couple reasons. Because I sang lower in, in a lower register, I naturally have, you know, 700 pounds of force that I can throw at a lower note. So it became really strong, really quick. But also because I wasn't popping that really high note early on, the song became infinitely easier to sing. <laughs> 
And unfortunately, the problem that I'm left with is in the back of my head, it's like, are you being lazy right now? Or is this really best for the song? You're being lazy, aren't you? But maybe it's also best for the song. There's a lot going on back And it totally looks like that. It was fun for me. It was funny for me. Like, I don't know that I've ever been handed, a like, a shortcut. Like, I, I, I don't remember what it was, like, in Candyland. Like, where you just got to, like, pass the swamp or whatever it was. But that's totally what it felt like. And it was such a gift because I was like, I never have to sing it that way again. <laughs> we made it! <laughs> anyway, it's funny because you're not going to be able to hear it because we're not going to play inside live again until we actually release it. But it's going to have to take it I had so much other stuff to talk about. I actually did just remember in the middle of that what I wanted to talk about. It was definitely more George Santos stuff because the latest on that is he went into a closed-door meeting with Kevin McCarthy. By the way, Kevin McCarthy, good on you for meeting in a closed door with a gay man that's also a drag queen. Good, good for you, Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> Douche extraordinaire. But they met behind closed doors, and George Santos basically came out and said, I'm not going to take any of my seat assignments, my committee assignments, until all the investigations uh, about me are done. First of all, they're never going to be done until he's in jail. He's a bad dude. He's a liar, a fraud, a cheat, and a thief. And they just opened the investigation into the $3,000 he stole from a dying dog's GoFundMe, which is like, dude, why are we even still talking about this, dude? But Kevin McCarthy, being the douche that he is, it was basically like, all right, don't take any of the committee assignments, but also don't resign because I've got a very slim majority here and every vote counts. And that tells you everything you need to know about Republicans in Congress right now because they will suffer the biggest loser ever in order to stay in charge. And I'm not even talking about the last presidential election. I'm going to shut up and play some music. Isn't that why we're all here? I know it's why I'm here. Enjoy.